Heavenly Father, thank you for the uh, blessing of this day, this uh, that which we're talking about, this beautiful day, this opportunity you've given us at this time to gather in your name. And I, I pray that you'd be in the midst of us. And also, Lord, as we pray that you'd be in the midst of us, we pray that you'd speak to us and uh, shine your light uh, into our lives that we might find life uh, and light in you. And uh, I ask this now uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, you know, as I mentioned, I kind of, uh, thinking about the uh, Old Testament, uh, I, I don't know about y'all, but there's some, um, there's some fabulous uh, stories throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. Part of what got me thinking about this, uh, you know, we're doing the Bible in a Year blog uh, where we're, we're different folks from the staff and the congregation are contributing to that. So um, if you're interested, it's uh, you're allowed to start now um, if you haven't been following it along. So, you know, if you've been following it, you fell away, you're invited, you're welcome to come back. Um, so there's no, you're not out, um, I guess is what I'm saying. But I was uh, invited to write on a, a passage from Exodus. And it's a passage when uh, the people have, have come through the wilderness and they're, um, uh, they've been going through the wilderness, and obviously, as you remember, God's sort of shaping and fashioning them as his people, and they're they're setting up uh, the, the tent of meeting, the place where they will worship God while they're while they're on the move. And uh, it, the couple of chapters I was invited to write on were, it's all these sort of specifications for the vestments of the priest and the way that the altar uh, is to be designed and the way that they're supposed to go about offering all these sacrifices, and it's sort of very descriptive, the detail of the priest, the way that they're supposed to sacrifice, and the way the, it's it's pretty bloody, I mean, the way they're supposed to put blood on the altar, and the way they're supposed to sacrifice this, and and burn this, and it's, as I say, sort of very, very bloody, very detailed, well, it just made me think of, obviously, um, the one ultimately to whom that, that points, and, and obviously not just that particular passage, but the, the Old Testament um, points to Jesus. Um, it's not shocking that you'd find a priest um, to say that, but the Old Testament points to um, Jesus, and obviously, ultimately, the one whose blood is, is shed for us, the one who cleanses us, the one who makes us acceptable um, to God through his merits rather than our own. And ultimately, that imagery that Paul picked up when he talked about putting on Christ, uh, that's sort of the garment um, that, that we put on ourselves, that enables us to come into uh, God's presence that makes us right, righteous um, with God. So anyway, all that got me thinking about the way that the Old Testament um, points us to Jesus, speaks to us, but also there's so many sort of sort of real life uh, and gritty um, stories in the Old Testament, which I think very much speak to um, yours and my, uh, yours and my lives and, and just the human nature and what I'm going to invite you along with me um, to look at this morning is in Genesis, and it's uh, the 32nd chapter uh, of Genesis, and uh, I'll give you a little background. You probably remember, it's the story of Jacob uh, and Esau, and Jacob um, wrestling with the angel, wrestling with the messenger of God, wrestling um, with, with God himself. Uh, we, we have this, and my wife Paula, uh, some of you know, she, she teaches preschool, and um, she really, she's awesome. I mean, that's just definitely her gift. Um, that's uh, that, that's in her wheelhouse. So she's a great, 
preschool teacher, and it's kind of fun. Um, she's always um, preparing and talking about you know this particular Bible story and that particular Bible story, and they've been doing some different Old Testament stories. And she was asking me um, about about Jacob, and, it, and it's kind of a it's kind of a funny question. And the reason I say that is this: um, Jacob really, in many ways, is an anti-hero, you know. And, and so you think about you know, the met, you know, when you're, she works with four-year-olds, you know, you know, be considerate, you know, tell the truth, you know, don't hit the person next to you, you know, kind of, it's sort of very, you know, kind of share, you know, exactly, sort of, you know, pretty kind of simple, sort of clear, you know, this is right, this is wrong, um, you know, God likes it when you do this, you know, God prefers you not do this, uh, etc. So, well, it's kind of funny because when it comes to Jacob, um, it's 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 pretty nuanced. It's kind of challenging um, to describe that um, to a kid. How much do y'all remember of, of Jacob and Esau? Uh, this isn't. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not going to scold you um, if you don't have all the the details of of Jacob and Esau. This is obviously very um, broad brush here. If if you remember um, Isaac, uh, whose name means laughter. Um, if you remember Abram and Sarah had had a son. Isaac, Sarah laughed. God, you know, told them that they were going to have a child, and she said, "You know, I'm at St. Martin's. Are you serious? Uh, I'm, I'm going to have a child." And they said, "No, you're going to have a child. Um, I'm telling you." Uh, and of course, it uh, indeed, uh, God's, uh, God's word was sure, was true. Uh, had this, uh, had this son, um, Isaac. And if you remember, Isaac um, had they had two sons, um, Jacob and Esau. And uh, if you will, Esau was kind of like. Um, uh, you know, Esau, he, Esau was a good old boy. You know, Esau loved the outdoors. He was a hunter, you know, guy's, guy's guy. He's the guy you'd go to the ball game with. Um, you know, Esau was just, he was kind of your, he was kind of your man's man. Um, and, and actually Esau literally means hairy. Um, we're told that he, you know, he was, he was pretty kind of furry, outdoorsy, um, kind of guy. And then you have, um, Jacob and his name, um, literally means heels. Um, but, but there's also another connotation to his names. It, it, it basically, in addition to heels, it means um, snatcher, um, supplanter. Uh, Esau came out first. Jacob came uh, grasping uh, his brother's heel. And it, and it kind of gives you some foreshadowing uh, of, of what their relationship is going to be, but also what, Jake, uh, what Jacob's character is going to be as well. He is, um, he's, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't buy anything from Jacob. Um, you know, he's kind of he's kind of a schemer. He's he's a conniver. He's a guy that you know is kind of uh, working it. And so we we have so anyway. Um, so this is all getting ready to teach four-year-olds. So exactly. So it's like, hmm, how do you uh, you know what do you teach uh, about Jacob? And so you you have this um, sibling rivalry which is there from the beginning. And part of what I uh, I love about the story, and I think this speaks to you and to me as well, is um, the only people, and, and this speaks specifically to you and to me, the only people God has to work with are flawed people. Uh, and the only families um, God has to work in are flawed families. Um, so if you all are flawed people, um, and if you have a flawed family, um, then, then, you're a, then you're a biblical, uh, then you're a biblical family, because that's, you, you have broken people, and you have broken relationships, uh, and I don't, you know, anyway, I hope I'm just 
came here to pick y'all up a little bit today. Um, but no, just to start, we're good. It gets better. Um, but but part of the thing which I which I do love because it is it's so it's so very true. I mean, these are the people that God has to work with. There's there's if you read through um, the Bible and see quote the heroes of the faith and the people that God works through. If you, if you really read about their uh, their beginnings, you know it's it's not an all star cast. Uh, which which ultimately shows to us it's it's about the power of God working rather than yours and my power working. It's about the grace of God at work in the world rather than yours and my um, perfection, which is which is tremendously encouraging. And as I say that, God God entrusts us with with gifts and talents and and opportunities to use them and to serve. You know, there's uh, all of us in here. Um, uh, we are, to borrow from the Reformation, saying simuliusta set peccator, simultaneously saints and sinners, saints and justify. There's, we're a mixed bag. So there's, there's, there's good that we have to offer, but there's also plenty of faults uh, and failures uh, and shortcomings that we have as well. And so a little backdrop to all of this. Um, Jacob uh, and Esau, the type of people um, that, that God has to work through. And if uh, sort of very succinctly, if you remember, um, uh, Jacob steals Esau's birthright and blessing. Uh, the, the first son um, received the blessing uh, of his father, was basically given the mantle, um, the inheritance to, to, to carry on. Uh, and Esau was very definitely um, the firstborn, uh, the one to receive that. Jacob um, ultimately uh, deceives Esau, steals his blessing with the aid of his mother. Uh, if you remember the story, he he sort of puts on pelts and furs and goes in. You know, his dad's eyesight is failing, and he goes in and says, you know, Esau, is that you? It's, it's me, Dad. Um, here, here for your blessing. And so with the, aid, with the aid of his mom, he deceives. I mean, isn't this just it's a great Bible story right here, you know, to the, for the four-year-olds? Um, deceives his father, receives uh, the blessing. His brother Esau is, uh, is enraged, feels cheated. Uh, Jacob flees, and for 20 years... He sort of goes round and round with his father-in-law Laban, um, and they kind of uh, sort of work on conniving and deceiving um, one another. Uh, and now it's time Jacob uh, is returning with his wives, with his children, um, with his uh, flocks, um, the works. And so Jacob uh, has been—he's been on the run, uh, and he is um, called by God to return home. Uh, and he's now returning home. Uh, and so we'll talk about this a little bit, but but let me ask you this question to think about, um, you know, to, to, to think about both this morning as we reflect, but going forward as well. Jacob, as I say, in many ways, I think represents us because he's a man on the run. Um, and uh, my question to y'all is, what is it that y'all are running from? Uh, and I think we're all in some ways... Um, running from something, uh, and, and very much we see that Jacob was running from God. Uh, and, you know, as Joe mentioned uh, very well in his, in his sermon, you know, about growing up, well, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian just because, yeah, that's, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, and, and, and yet there's many ways that we um, run from God. There's many things, you know, Lord, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm all yours except for this particular area. Uh, of of my life, um, you know, I'm really listen. I'm I'm all in except um, this particular area. I'm I'm running from this. I'm running for you this particular 
um, aspect of my life. And Jacob very much had been running. He's called um, to return home. And as he is returning home, um, he is uh, he's terrified uh, as to what might happen when his brother gets a hold of him. Because as I say, not only um, has he deceived his brother, uh, not only has he deceived his brother, but he's also um, justifiably and understandably um, anxious about the welcome uh, he's going to um, receive. And, and not only that, but you know, um, it, toe-to-toe, um, Jacob and Esau, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't stand a chance. So he's, he's coming home. And if any of y'all remember, um, what happens as, as Jacob returns home? Exactly. Sends sends gifts ahead. You know, as I say, Jacob, he's you know, he's he's a smart cookie, so he doesn't just show up. You know, um, and 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 there's a certain amount of um, I think there's well, I don't I, I would I would bet the ranch on there's still Jacob being Jacob. There's there's a certain amount of scheming in this, but I think there's also a certain amount of sincerity in this as well. As Jacob is returning home, uh, and he offers um, these gifts to his brother Esau. I, I mean, again, God is. God is working through him, and God is working on him. He's he's traveled all this way, and I think there is that genuine desire uh, with Jacob to make amends um, with his brother Esau, um, to to heal, to uh, resolve their relationship. So yeah, he, he sends gifts ahead um, to you know hopefully in some way pacify Esau, but then also in some ways to um, rectify that which had happened in their relationship. And he also, as if you'll remember, he stops along the river. Uh, and as he stops uh, at the ford of the Jabbok, um, he stops along and he sends everyone ahead. And it's uh, in some ways uh, his time of uh, intense wrestling uh, with God. And let me read to you. And it's 32:22 is where uh, I'm going to begin. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed. Peniel, limping, uh, uh, as he passed, Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, as to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, on the sinew of the thigh. It's kind of one of those, hmm, 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Um, kind of an interesting. Um, Jacob. Uh, Jacob goes in. Uh, he wrestles uh, with God. I. Uh, it was interesting. My my first um, my first Sunday here uh, in in Birmingham twelve uh, years ago. It was, it was interesting. Um, uh, I, I knew um, that I had come. Um, to the heart of Dixie, and that um, the lesson on that, the Old Testament lesson on that particular Sunday was actually um, this lesson, my first Sunday at my, my previous church, Church of the Ascension. And the gentleman um, that was reading got up and he read and he, and he, and he said, Jacob wrestled um, with the angel. And I thought, all right, here it is. This is the heart of Dixie. Um, you know, we wrestled. Um, that's right. Uh, of course, I. Lived all over growing up. Uh, I lived in North Carolina for a number of years, and so uh, North Carolina knows all about wrestling. Um, you know, Ric Flair, the Nature Boy. Um, you know, y'all may or may not remember um, some of the heroes uh, of the day uh, back from from wrestling. So we hear this this kind of curious um, encounter, which which takes place, uh, and I think there's a, a number of things that we can likely identify with. You know, as I mentioned from the very beginning. Um, the only people God has to work through are flawed people. The only families that God has to work through are, are, are flawed families, and we certainly see that here uh, in this particular uh, encounter. And there's there's much about Jacob that I think we can uh, recognize as well as far as his um, striving with God, his wrestling with God, his running uh, from God, his, his fighting um, with God. Uh, and also, uh, curiously, we see... Um, the way um, that he ultimately is healed uh, in his relationship with God. We hear um, that he walks away from that place with a limp. Um, and lest we, we think that's just sad um, and terrible, um, let me say that it's the first time uh, in Jacob's life that he's at peace. Uh, it's, uh, I would argue that though he walks away with a limp, this is the first time in Jacob's life that he's whole. Uh, that he is at, at peace with God. He's running um, no longer. There, there's, there's been a peace which has come to his life. There's been a resolution um, that has come to his life. There's a, there's a blessing um, that's, come to his, that's come into his life, uh, even though he walks away from that place limping. And I, I share that with you because not, uh, I just see so many people uh, in life, and, and it's not just so many people, it's, it's me too, um, that, that are dealing with a, a lot of brokenness uh, and a lot of, a lot of challenges. As I say, it's not, just those, it's not just those people out there. It's in my own life. It's in my own um, relationships. There's, just, there's no shortage uh, of, of brokenness out there. But what I'd like to say as we look at this is we see that in the midst of that brokenness uh, and in the midst of uh, that limp, uh, Jacob... Uh, is is made new. Um, he's made whole. He's healed uh, in a way in which he had never dreamed uh, was possible. And I guess what I'd like to say to you um, is is this, um, that in those places, in those instances, uh, in yours and my life, and inevitably we all, uh, if, uh, and I hope you don't think I'm taking this too far, or even if you do, I, I think this is true, um, we, we all have a we all have a limp. We all have limps um, in our lives. We all have those challenges, those things in us 
um, which are broken. And I guess what I'd like to share this morning is the, there is the power of God to work through those. Uh, there's the power of God um, to bring healing in those. And ultimately, there is the opportunity within those to be made whole in a way uh, in which nothing else can make us whole. Why, why, do, I, why do I say that? I'll t- tell you a little bit about my own story. Um, it's uh, When people ask me where I'm from, um, and I don't know if people, when we moved to Birmingham, uh, you know, people wanted to know um, where we went to church and who we were for. Um, that was kind of the first two things we moved here that people were curious to know. Um, and But before that, we had lived in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and in Charleston, they wanted to know who your people were. Um, that was kind of, you know, how many generations um, did they um, did they go back? Well, growing up, I lived um, all over the southeast. When people ask me where I'm from, it's always more of a convoluted answer. It sounds kind of like witness relocation. Um, I've lived Virginia, North and South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, um, Tennessee, Texas, and Alabama. Um, and so, so I say it's kind of a it's it's a bit of a convoluted um, answer. Uh, witness relocation wasn't all that bad. Um, but anyway, it's kind of a convoluted answer. Well, when I was um, when I was growing up, we were part of what I call the corporate army, and so you know often we'd move every every few years. And as you might imagine, um, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't like that um, because it seemed like no sooner than you know we had sort of you know had gotten some roots down, some sense of stability, some sense of comfort. You know, you have sort of your your home, your school, your 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 friends, your your network. You know that stability that that can come from that no sooner than um you know had that sort of been put down then we that was plucked up and 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 off we went and 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 started all over again and uh you know the reality is had we lived in one place my whole life uh, i could have had plenty of issues um anyway um this just gives me a nice thing to say it was that um that was the it, it, it gives a place oh yeah that was that was why certainly what wasn't me it was it was that and we laugh, my sisters and I, to this day. Um, one time we were having a conversation with, with mom and dad, and we're all gathered around the tables over the holidays. We're having fun. And dad said, you know, we, we moved all the time, and it never bothered y'all. Um, and we just kind of we said, you know, just keep, just keep telling yourself that, Pop. Um, but anyway, he, dad, dad's, dad's great, mom's great, so grateful for them, and, and was really, really blessed uh, in so many ways. But as I say, I mean, as a kid, you just think, why me? Um, you know, why, why me? Everybody else has, has got their roots down, and I'm, I'm constantly the new kid on the block, um, feeling like an outsider, you know, feeling like, you know, gosh, not fitting in, different from, uh, you know, feeling the, the instability uh, as, as a result of all of that. And as I say, that's um, in the grand scheme, uh, pretty blessed, pretty fortunate, uh, but as I say, you know, um, not many teenagers say, you know, I'm really blessed and fortunate. Um, I'm so thankful um, that my life has no issues. No, it, it created a good bit of, of instability um, in my life. And so from there, I went on to uh, school at the Citadel, which is, of course, um, uh, introduced more instability um, in, into my life. With all of its stability, it was, um, it was, a, it was a rough um, place to be, intentionally so. It was all male uh, still at that point and sort of was an intentionally harsh environment in that first year at the Citadel, the one thing I looked forward to was playing soccer, and I broke my foot uh, shortly before the season, had to sit out the majority of the season, so the one thing I looked forward to wasn't able to do. My my girlfriend was away in school, 
um, in North Carolina, and my uh, paternal grandfather that I just uh, adored and had a great relationship with, he died. Uh, and I, being at the Citadel, I got 24 hours leave. So I flew to the funeral, went to the funeral, boom, had to fly right back, right back uh, into the midst of it. And at, for an 18-year-old, um, I mean, my world had just absolutely come um, undone. Everything that, that could be wrong uh, in my eyes, in my mind, was, was, was wrong. And, and talk about being uh, in, in a place where you're overwhelmed, in a place where uh, you're broken, in a place where um, you're grasping. And I, and I share all that with you for this, for this reason. Um, I, I mean, I really was. It's funny. I can remember going and seeing they had a, you know, they had a counselor on on staff there um, at the uh, uh, at the Citadel, and and going and talking with her, and you know, just being overwhelmed, exhausted, broken beyond my, you know, beyond my wits, uh, beyond my wits end. And I can remember her being, you know, kind and sincere, but completely ineffectual. Um, and you know, the rowdy is have had the had the roles been reversed, I, I probably would have been kind and sincere and ineffectual um, uh, in that particular situation as well. And and the reason I think in some ways um, she was ineffectual uh, wasn't because she lacked competency. It wasn't because she you know wasn't engaged and trying and all that kind of good stuff. But the reality was she couldn't deliver me from that situation. Um, she couldn't heal or restore uh, or resolve that situation with all of her training and sincerity, uh, that, was, that was beyond her power. Uh, that was beyond her pay grade. The reality was there was the need for God uh, and the healing and the wholeness um, that, that he alone could bring. And I, and I share all of, that, uh, all of that with you because uh, that, that brokenness, that, that heartbreak, those hurts, that uh, limp, limps, um, if you will, ultimately led me to God, uh, ultimately brought me to the place of sort of healing and wholeness and, and, and restoration that, that nothing else could have brought me. Um, it was that sort of grappling with and, uh, and running from and, and, and wrestling with and trying to find solutions and, and other things that ultimately led me, uh, wonderfully forced me um, to God in the place that, that I ultimately found peace, uh, found stability found wholeness in a way that I wouldn't have found it um, anywhere else. And so one of the concepts, and particularly in, in the Old Testament, uh, is, is the people of God were, were sojourners. They were people, um, at least for, for a while, without a home. Uh, they, were, they were wandering, and, and ultimately God was their home. God was their rock. God was their um, stability. He was their provision. He was um, their peace. They learned that great lesson, and all the... Um, and that period, the, the, the hurts, the heartbreaks, the challenges, the limps, ultimately led me to that place of reconciliation um, with God uh, and, and, and peace with God and a wholeness which I wouldn't have found otherwise. Uh, and so that's kind of the way it came about in my life. Um, but I think it's something that, that all of us contend with, grapple with. And, and, and our stories don't necessarily, it, it's a place we all need to get to. Um, how we travel there can be can be very different. And as we read through, whether it be the Old Testament or the New Testament, you see multiple conversion stories. You see multiple um, people healed and restored and, and made new. And it and it's not just a it's not always a carbon copy. It doesn't happen in just one way. 
Um, it happens through one person, um, and it's something that, that needs to happen for all of us, but the ways and the means that God brings it about can be different uh, from one situation to another, from one person um, to another. We see um, with, with Jacob that ultimately, though he was broken, um, he was broken in order that he might be healed. Uh, and so ultimately we see the desire of God, the design of God is ultimately to bring um, healing to us uh, in, in the breaks uh, and in the things that we wrestle with, grapple with. Ultimately the design of God um, is to bring um, healing to us. And so we see um, that, that Jacob uh, is wrestling uh, <laughs> wrestling with God and as the as the light begins um, to come, uh, he will not let him go. And it's kind of interesting there when, when you think about it, here he's, here he's been running from God, running from God, running from God. Uh, and now, uh, who will he not let go of? God. Uh, he's fought him, he's wrestled, but now he's clinging to him um, for, for life. Uh, he, he, he won't let him go. He doesn't want to let him go. There's, there's the beginning, the, the, the dawning uh, of the recognition that, that, that he's the one uh, who's my hope. He's the one for me um, to cling to. And, he, and, he, and he, he's right. He clings to him as if for life itself. Um, he's, he's clinging to him and he, and he asks him um, to tell him um, his name. And, and it's interesting um, that, uh, that he does not uh, tell him uh, his name. And he said to him, what is your name? And he, uh, he asked the God, he asked this uh, messenger what his name was. He, he's not given the name. And, and I think it's interesting. Um, this is my interpretation, so you can take it um, or leave it. This is, this is my speculation. But I, but I think this sometimes um, happens. Uh, Jacob is not given full knowledge, uh, and he's not given full uh, understanding. Instead, he receives a blessing. Uh, and, it's, and it's similar in some ways, I mean, different from, but similar in some ways, for instance, to Job. Uh, after Job goes through um, all of these um, trials, um, Job is not given the answer to all of his questions. What he receives is a vision of God. Uh, what he receives is, is the blessing of God. And we see that in Job's life, that's, that's more than sufficient. And so we see here for Jacob, and I think this, again, you can agree, disagree. This is my uh, particular interpretation. What we see is that he doesn't um, necessarily receive full understanding. He certainly receives some. Um, but what he ultimately receives uh, is, is God's blessing, uh, and he receives a wholeness as a result. He asks for a name. He's not given a name. But then um, the question is said to him, what is your name? Uh, and he said, um, Jacob. Well, let me ask you this question. Why, why do you think he's asked that? I, mean, I, I think we can assume God knew his name, um, so chances are. Uh, but why? Why do you think he asked, what is your name? It's kind of a, not really a fair question. I mean, you know, because y'all have really thought about this a lot. Um, exactly. Exactly. He's, it's, it's repentance. It's confession. It's, uh, it's, it's coming, it's coming clean. Basically, it's, it's naming it. What is your name? Jacob, I'm the grasper. Uh, I'm the supplanter. Um, I'm the schemer. Uh, I'm the one who's, you know, this is this is this is who I am. Um, so yeah, it's 
it's confession, it's acknowledgement, uh, it's it's repentance, uh, and and we see in that um, he doesn't say you're. You better believe you are, um, and you're, and you're, and you're a lot, and you're a lot more than that. Um, that that's that's not uh, that's not the response. Instead, the response uh, is to give him a new name, uh, to give him uh, a new identity, to give him a new um, wholeness. We we see the phenomenal um, grace of God. For goodness sakes, he 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 calls him Israel. Um, the the he gives him the name of Israel, the name uh, that's going to be given. Um, to God's people, um, this, I mean, Jacob um, receives grace. Um, Jacob um, receives blessing. Jacob receives healing. Jacob receives a new identity. He's he's given um, this name. What does that tell you and me about the character of God in relationship with us? What phenomenal good news does that give to you and to me? Um, to cease to run from God, to um, come to him, uh, and prayer to cling to him as if he is our life itself, to be uh, free and willing to experience the freedom of, of of naming those things and putting them before God, the things that we've been attempting to hide or run from, uh, and just saying, Lord, who am I kidding? The the words we say at the beginning, you know, Almighty God, to you all the hearts are open, all desires known from you, no secrets uh, are hid. Who am, I, who am I kidding here? Um, here it is. Uh, but also... Uh, for us to see as well that through the work of God and through the grace of God, we're so much more than that as well. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is. So yeah, in some ways we are. We're very much Jacob. Who among us in this room is not in many ways Jacob? We might not be as as bold and bald about it, but we're all s- sort of striving uh, and conniving uh, and working our own um, particular angles, whatever they might be, um, we're all running and hiding, and 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 you name it to some degree. That's just that that is the human nature. There's, uh, and I just think it's it's fascinating that God, um, <laughs> no shocker that God knows this, but but kind of what's revealed to us in this. I mean, this Jacob becomes um, Israel. Why? Because the only people God has to work with are flawed and faulty people. The only families God has to work with are through these very uh, imperfect families, and yet we see. Um, the ability when we come to God, when we cling to God, um, not only to be blessed, uh, not only to be restored, forgiven, um, but to be um, made new. He's given a, a new name, Israel. He who has striven um, with God and with men and has prevailed. Another um, translation interpretation uh, is just to say God prevails. Um, his name means ultimately um, that, that God prevails, that God um, sustains. And so the message goes out in this to you and to me that God um, sustains us, uh, that he's the one to whom um, we can turn, uh, and that uh, just to see that we can have uh, a joy, we can have a hope, uh, we can have a certainty that's based not on our character but God's character. We have the ability to bring uh, all of the various stuff of our life um, to God, uh, and and to experience what's made available in him. And also this, as I say, Jacob, uh, in a wonderful way, um, limps away, and yet and yet he's whole. Um, so for us to see, even in the challenges, even in the brokenness um, of our lives, there's the opportunity in, in taking it to God, the power of God, and to bring healing, to bring um, resolution, um, even in that. Let me ask you, is I, I'm going to stop there, uh, and any sort of
questions, reflections, um, rebuttals, um, where, whatever, whatever it might be. Uh, if you don't have to, I just want to stop there a minute. Good stuff, uh, uh, Jacob. Um, let me read uh, just one thing, sort of in, in concluding here. Um, this is uh, uh, Frederick Beekner is uh, an, an interesting, um, uh, an interesting uh, Christian uh, author, and uh, he wrote uh, a book. Gosh, I, I read years ago. Um, called the Son of Laughter. Um, it's kind of, it's you know, it's funny. I, I I remember it was good, but I probably read it like 20 years ago, or it's kind of weird to say that 15 years ago. It's it's, it's been a while. But anyway, he um, he sort of puts this whole story in, in novel form. Uh, and uh, but anyway, I, I want to quote to you. Um, he also wrote some different sort of little commentaries. Uh, but anyway, he writes this about, um, uh, about Jacob. And um, when Jacob was initially on the run, he, if you remember, he has this vision of angels sort of ascending and descending. Um, God grants him this, this vision. Um, and he says to him, behold, I am with you and will keep you um, wherever you go. And then let me read to you what, what Beekner has to comment on. Um, uh, on Jacob and, and the one ultimately that he points to, which of course ultimately is, is Jesus, by whose wounds we're healed. And uh, Beekner writes this, It wasn't holy hell that God gave him, in other words, but holy heaven, not to mention the marvelous lesson thrown in for good measure. The lesson was, needless to say, that even for a dyed-in-the-wool, double-barreled con artist like Jacob, there are a few things in this world you can't get but can only be given. And one of these things is love in general, and another is the love of God in particular. Jacob didn't have to climb his ladder to bilk heaven of the moon and the stars, even if that had been possible, because the moon and the stars looked like peanuts compared to what God and the angels were using the ladder to hand down to him for free. Another part of the lesson was that, luckily for Jacob, God doesn't love people because of who they are, but because of who God is. It's on the house is one way of saying it, and it's by grace is another. Just as it was by grace that it was Jacob, of all people, who became not only the father of the twelve tribes of Israel, but the many times great-grandfather of Jesus of Nazareth, and just as it was by grace that Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth was born into this world um, at all. Uh, we see uh, in Jacob the love of God. We see in Jacob the grace of God given to us, not because of who we are, uh, but because of who God is, and, and ultimately pointing the way um, to Jesus. Um, the grace of God, the love of God, made available to you and to me, not because of who we are, um, but because of who He is. Uh, as we hear that today, let us pray. Um, Father, thank You for this time. Thank You that You seek us. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, in all of our running draws to you, uh, wonderfully wear us down uh, that we might come to you, that we might offer, that we might confess, that we might um, lay our burdens down and in so doing find uh, your character mighty to save, to heal, to restore. Uh, draw us, Lord, 
again and again to you. For you alone are our hope and our salvation. And this we ask and this we pray in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.